Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 podcast. I'm Suzanne Kearns, Mom and Dot 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 writer, LGBTQ and sex ed advocate, and this week, award banquet attendee. I am not getting awards. My children are getting awards, in particular. Well, the you girl. deserve all the awards. I Why don't they have an award banquet for the parents? That would be nice. <laughs> Although at one of them, they did have all the parents stand. I would say for your high school grad, like you did it. You yes. got her all this way. Yes. I drove places. <laughs> I did places. not draw the things, though. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and I'm Missy Stevens' mom and dot, 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 writer, foster child advocate, and this week, board transitioner. I am handing over the reins to a new swim and dive board at high school. I am so excited for you. Yeah, too. I'm still going to have a lot to do, but not the same. Not the same level. So I'm really yes. excited. Yes. And big props to the person who is taking over that role for you, because it's an important one. And I know that you put a lot of love and attention into it. So I did. Yay. <laughs> and let's speaking of people who do a lot for their kids in their schools, our guest today is Whitney Myers. Whitney is a mom and dot, dot, dot owner and founder of Sacred Stories, an Austin, Texas based company specializing in video biographies. Sacred Stories uses interviews, photographs, and more to create mini documentaries for families. She has her graduate certificate from the University of Connecticut in Life Story Practice and Research and is a member of the International Center for Life Story Innovations and Practice. Whitney also enjoys speaking with groups about the art and science of reminiscence, different methods for sharing your story, and the important work of listening. I mean... So cool. And I, I am personally thrilled to have Whitney here because whenever yes. anybody asks me, you're supposed to like when you're writing a book, especially a nonfiction, you're supposed to know who this ideal reader is. And I always say Whitney, which people don't understand what that means <laughs> when, but it is, this is the Whitney when I say that, if anybody's ever heard me say that before, just because she is just the most perfect example of this great mom who had a great idea and had the courage to take each next best step to make it a reality. And so I'm really excited for other moms who maybe are in the same boat to learn from her. So welcome, yes. Whitney. So excited. Thank you, Suzanne. Thank you, Missy, for having me. Absolutely. I'm so excited to meet Suzanne's ideal reader, too, because I have had <laughs> Whitney in my mind as well. So and we learned some about you in your bio, but we wondered if you could give us the Whitney 101, just where you started and what decisions led to where you are today. Sure. So out of college, I worked for 11 years in the Lutheran church, both at a congregation here in Austin and then for like a group of Lutheran churches in the surrounding area. And I'm really proud of that work. And I learned a lot during that time, just about hospitality and mm. listening and creating spaces for people to be known mm -hmm. and volunteers and volunteer yeah. management. Um, <laughs> I made some great friends during that time too, had a lot of fun adventures and that informs the work that I'm doing now. I do a lot of volunteer work as Suzanne knows. And one volunteer job that I did led to actually part-time work a couple years ago, working in memory care. And that was kind of unexpected, but also had a huge influence. Y'all can see yeah. kind of some things here, mm -hmm. but had a huge influence on me and the work that I'm doing just taught me about caregiving and being with people, memories, and yeah. not having our memories and what stories kind of shape people's lives. So all different kinds of work from ministry to memory care and just intentional time with my family as a stay-at-home parent also for a number of years, all things that are kind of relational based mm -hmm. types yes. of work and not a surprise for people that know me. And that's just informed a lot of what I do now in this work of sacred stories. So, yes. And see, I love hearing all this because Missy and I and on the podcast talk a lot about how like at school parties and at our PTA meetings, we spend so much time chatting about what our kids are eating for lunch or the field trip or something and not talking about ourselves and our own interests yeah. and talents and hobbies and, you know, things that we want to pursue. And for many years, we had that relationship in the sense that I had no idea what you had done before. And who knows who you could be sitting next to in the school pickup line, who you could partner with, or who could be, you know, your next step to getting that cool volunteer gig or some job. So 
in having conversations and learning how to elevate conversations and learn about people, like what are some ways that besides when you're videotaping someone's, you know, life story that we can just in these little moments in our days, start elevating the conversations that we have in those school pickup lines or that we have with people at a wine night or whatever it might be. I mean, I'm, it's a little bit just being a little dorky, just mm. being a little awkward, yeah. putting ourselves out there. And I find I'm a person who's kind of not afraid to do that. And just like with PTA, for example, I remember one of our first meetings. I don't know if you were there, Suzanne, but back when we worked together, I was like, let's play a get to know you game. I'm kind of notorious for bringing like conversation starters or something mm -hmm. to a PTA meeting, which is a no-brainer to me, but maybe kind of unconventional to some people. And that made me sweat just a little. I know. <laughs> um, it does. And it makes me sweat a little too as the person doing it. Because I'm like, these people are going to think I'm nuts. And it's just sort of getting over that, being a little awkward. I think that's a leadership thing. A lot of good leaders that I know have that element of I'm going to put myself out there a little bit to engage people. And I have a PTA yeah. mom that I've worked with a couple of years and she teases me. She's like, here comes Whitney with her bowl of colored pieces of paper. <laughs> and she's going to ask us to play some game. And it's a little bit of finesse, like not yeah. to be overly pushy or demanding. Like it's okay. Give people the out not right. to participate. But for me with PTA, what is the value if I don't get to know these people that I'm volunteering with. So yeah. it's, it's maybe selfish in a way. It's just like, I want to get to know these people. And so yeah. I don't know if that's a tip, but I'm kind of known as conversation starter person. And even at parties, just with family, friends, I'll be like, let's go around and say what we learned in this year or whatever. Mm -hmm. and my yeah. friends kind of look at me like, oh God, here she goes again. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that because I in our PTA, I sat across from, I don't even know how many meetings, Christian Finan, who is the founder of Caring Hope, which I've been on the board on for, gosh, is it five or six years now? But before then... I had no idea that she did that. I think she was just starting it at that point, but I started to really get to know her when she auditioned for Listen to Your Mother when our friend Kristen Shaw and I were producing that. And I was just like, how ridiculous is it that I didn't know that she was a writer for our local Austin paper? Right. And I do think that having those discussions in those environments allows us to yeah, take that next step and be like, hey, are you doing anything that I might be interested in? I mean, selfishly, uh -huh. uh, that you could partner with or become involved with. Yeah. So I love it. I love it. Start I with too. the awkward. Yep. Everybody will be grateful for it. And one other thing I thought of when you asked that, just I hate the question, how are you? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. That's just such a loaded question. And I've, you know, open mouth, insert foot. I asked one time at a funeral somebody like a family member I was like how are you and I'm just like oh my gosh I'm like vowing to never ask that to anyone again yes it is such a knee-jerk thing to say to people yeah like, it's just it just comes out of our faces yep yeah yeah and usually and the so, answer good does too even though you might not be exactly yeah. and the answer should be like not great yeah exactly so I I often ask like just, I mean, I'm thinking PTA again, Suzanne, because you mentioned it, but like just or in the school pickup line or something, I'm like, I'll ask, what have you been up to today? Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. just kind of gives the person an opportunity. They could share something really heavy. They could share their hobbies. They could share their work. And it's just a little bit easier question, friendlier. Yeah. And, yes. And I've tried it and it, it opens up some of those deeper conversations. We interviewed Kat Velos, who's like a friendship I, I expert. To that you know, one. Yep. I love her. And love her. she has, I have the calendar hanging in my laundry room and it's mm -hmm. alternative questions to all those go-to questions. And so great. Before yeah. I'm leaving the house, I kind of take a look and I'm like, just give me one question that's not, where are you from is this month? You know, it's alternatives yeah. to that, but we'll link to it because it's great because we do yeah. have our go-tos, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and I think yeah. the flip side of all of that is then you have to listen to the answers and <laughs> you get love... to listen to the answers. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> and you use the phrase, the work of listening. And we really love that because it is work to do it and do it well. So yep. how do we get better at it? I have two teenagers 
and a husband and listening is a big deal in our house because I don't think anyone does it. So how do we get better at it? Yeah. Well, we don't do it great in my house either. My family teases me because at home, I mean, it's just our sloppy habits too, but yes, in my professional life, yeah, I've got some, I've got some tips and skills, but at home, I don't always apply them. And something you said, Missy, when I'm interviewing someone, they're nervous yeah, and mm-hmm. it, it's vulnerable to be like interviewed by me and to be on camera, just like it mm-hmm. is being on your podcast. It's vulnerable, but it's also vulnerable to listen. Yeah. Like you said, because it's just like whatever someone's going to share might open up in me something I didn't want to a place mm-hmm. I didn't want to go in myself or mm-hmm. also then you feel compelled to to do something. So it's right. it's vulnerable both directions and we forget that sometimes. But tips for listening is practice. I mean, I know those conversation starters going back to that, but it, it's games, just ways that you can interact with your family. Like sometimes those lead to a deeper mm-hmm. conversation mm-hmm. or unlocks, you know, a deeper thing, but just playing a game with your family that's you know, we're, we're going to each reach into a bowl and just ask something that prompts something else. And it might be dorky. It might be silly. It might be not serious, but it might lead to something serious. Yes. And that's, you, know, you can do that with your spouse. You can do it with friends kind of playing around with questions and answers and helps us practice. It helps us be quiet. It helps kids like learn to listen to their parents mm-hmm. right, too. Wouldn't that be nice? Right. Yeah. What a <laughs> I mean, yeah. We've done that like highs and lows around our, our around our yeah. table or something yeah. as a family. And it's like, it's, that's a way kids practice listening. Mm-hmm. Like listen to your parents high and low and we'll, we'll listen to yours and we won't say anything for a minute. Yeah. Right. And that's a skill that can be developed. I love that gift of being like, you can say this and we're not going to come at you with 20 questions of like, why was that your high or why was that your low? Or do you really yeah, think that yeah. should have been your low or whatever? Just say your thing and move along. We used to mm-hmm. do that pre-COVID. We did that a lot. Like when you said it, I went, oh, oh yeah. But then COVID sort of changed our family routines. And our routines don't lend themselves to that as much. And then the kids, of course, are also, I mean, they're teenagers and they're going 20 different directions. And we never eat dinner together anymore because they eat after practice and it's almost nine o'clock and I have eaten by then. So <laughs> um, it's just. It's just different, but we used to do that. I need to find a new time in our life to do that. COVID, you were all together. You were all together experiencing yes. the highs, and we didn't have to ask in COVID because you knew right, it exactly. All. Like we lived it all together. <laughs> do it in the family group text now. Be like, hey, actually, a great idea. Yes, I mean they communicate really well that well, wellish, <laughs> but that's their mode. Yeah, yeah. meet them where they are. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I find the thing I always do, and I, when you hear research, I'm sure you've heard this in all the training that you did about listening, is not trying to think about what you're going to say next mm-hmm. and to actually just be present just in what the person is saying. And I'm so bad at that. And I don't know, like, how do you ground yourself and just get more present in the answer without feeling like you have to have the next thing that you're going to respond to. It's hard. It's practice. It's practice. Like listening, like anything else. I mean, it, it just takes practice yeah. and we, we fail at it. Yeah. Cause yeah. I do feel like I have some sort of fear. Again, it's that sweat starts to build up. Cause I'm like, what if I don't have anything to say in response to this, mm-hmm. or I don't know what to say. I think it's really okay. If we can teach ourselves, it's okay to not know what to say. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Our for parents. Real hard. Practice, practice, practice. And I think you've mentioned it a couple of times, but it'd probably be a really good idea to start one of those little bowls. I think that there's so many cute little like exercises or whatever Uh online. We should link to one of those where people can make their own bowl. That can be our little to do for today is to to make your own bowl questions. 27 jars around the house. Like pick one of those jars. (laughs) I've got, I've got some questions you can link to. Oh, awesome. I've got some, I've got some conversation starters that you can cut out, put put them in a bowl. So, oh, awesome. well, there you go. I'll you just it. saved You'd me like having to, to Google. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And now, okay, I don't want to linger too much on the, the PTA-ness part of your life, but you really did set a very high bar for PTA, <laughs> PTA presidents everywhere. Um, and we, we talk about that a lot as far as 
there's ways to get involved with your kids' schools that are not like I used to do, organizing the Lost and Found Rack, which is a very valuable service, but not necessarily say. something you can put on a resume. <laughs> well, you I made could. a lot of moms really happy, though, when that $50 <sighs> sweatshirt returned to their mm, home. Yeah, <laughs> not this mom. But um, <laughs> I think that PTA is one of those things where you can get really involved and also do things that are relevant to work experience or things that you can put on a resume or that translate to something that you might want to bring into a future job. So did you feel that way for your role at PTA? And like, what were the things that you learned there that you could help bring to starting your own business or that just at least got you in that mindset of I'm doing some stuff with the other sides of my brain? Right. Well, Suzanne, you're sweet. You put, put me on a PTA pedestal. But, um, <laughs> Take it. Wear uh, your crown with that, pride. That was my thing. That was or one of my things that I, I mean, just volunteer work. I think it's important giving back. And that just was a niche that I found. And my way of saying thank you to teachers and staff, it's other people have different ways of doing that, but that was kind of my way. And mm -hmm. and I am proud to put it on my resume. I'm, I'm proud of the work I've done with PTA. And I've met wonderful people, full-time working moms and dads and stay-at-home parents. And for my sacred stories work, I didn't do PTA to necessarily enhance the work that I'm doing, but it, it I mean, these things all kind of connect and it, it has enhanced and enriched my working life. It allows me to kind of use gifts that I had forgotten about or didn't know that I had mm -hmm. or um, be in community with people because a lot of the sacred story stuff that I'm doing is by myself. So it, that fills a need for me. Mm -hmm. And some of those connections, like you said, Suzanne, at the beginning, just you never know where they might lead. Kristen Finan, who you mentioned, she's on my advisory group for sacred stories, being on this podcast, you know, um, some clients that I have had through PTA work, an unexpected surprise, mm -hmm. but a lot of my early clients were people who knew me mm -hmm. and PTA way to get to know people. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm proud of the work I've done there and it certainly links to what I'm doing now, just in different ways. Yeah. Yeah, it totally does. And I relate to that so much. That sense of building a community and being in a community that's a little bit outside of what you're doing in the rest of your life, but it all, it all ties together. The skills yep. I've learned doing the things I do at school, like doing the swim board, I learned so much and I learned mm -hmm. a lot about myself and it's, yeah, I think it's valuable work. I think that women should not, or men should not downplay the, oh, I'm just volunteering at school. Oh, I'm just on the PTA. There's yep. so much more to that. Mm -hmm. yeah, we want to pivot a little bit and talk about starting a business. It's a huge leap. And a lot of our listeners have ideas and these things they want to do. What should they be thinking about? What do you know now, looking back with hindsight's 2020, what would you do differently? What do you wish you had thought about? No surprise, just surrounding myself with people who would listen, listen to my idea about sacred stories. And I remember, I can remember still where I was telling my best friend, about this sacred stories idea and just putting myself around people who would kind of allow me to process this with them mm -hmm. and, and push mm -hmm. back with some questions. Um, I actually worked with a professional for a year, just kind of helping me discern and think about work. And yeah. I processed this sacred stories thing with her and she listened. And I don't know, for me, thinking about like, my own life and sacred story, maybe perhaps, or when I'm 70 or 80 or 90, if I get the opportunity to share my my story, would I want to say I didn't take the chance to try it? So that's, yeah. for me, kind of empowered me. I was like, I have this idea. I'm going to put myself out there. I don't know if it's going to work, but I feel like I would regret it if I didn't try it. And yeah. Oh, but, I love, you that. know, ad advice to listeners is just surround yourself with people, ment mentors. And I talk to a lot of videographers and photographers and people in this personal historian community. And just like, how do you do this? Some, some business owners I respected and just said, how do you go about this? And I'm still asking those questions. I'm asking that question, Missy, that you ask of people in my world. Like, what, what would you change? What would you do differently? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I love 
sacred story films in particular because my husband's aunt passed away several years ago after an extended battle with cancer. And so it was something probably very similar to a lot of the clients you work with who have this visibility into their future and want to save their stories and make sure that they're available for their children, especially because this woman's daughter was very young at the time, just starting college. And 20, 30 years down the line, it's nice to have something that you can hold on to and mm -hmm. remember. And so my husband's cousin actually gave her the gift of doing this. And he was not a professional as yourself, but he did a very nice job. Um, and we watched the parts of the video at her memorial service. And oh, it was just that. such a beautiful, like you would think that that would be like really sad. And definitely there was sadness to it, but there was so much laughter and there's so many smiles. Like I was really surprised at how healing and what a wonderful experience that was mm -hmm. because instead of just focusing on the end you were like hearing from her and hearing her stories and it was just it was such a beautiful thing so i just that think special yeah what you're doing is such a gift for the people your clients who are actually having their stories told but also to mm -hmm. their families mm -hmm. and so many of us i mean we're all dying <laughs> i mean some of us <laughs> some of us have more visibility into right. what that time period might look like um mm -hmm. and i think everybody just wants to be heard before that time yes, yes. Um, and you give them that gift so i'm sure that hearing these stories everybody's having aha moments but are you then seeing that like are there moments when your clients are telling their stories after that process things that their family say or things that they say like that they wish they had done different or things that they didn't realize they had done so amazingly like what what types of aha moments are you seeing uh during these yeah, recordings that's a good question um Little things like I had a I had a gentleman tell me once that he really enjoyed the experience and it prompted him along. Um, this adorable, adorable guy in his 90s. And he said, I bought a voice recorder and I'm going to tell more stories to my family. Mm. And so after the film, he was empowered to want to do more. And I thought that was really, that's cool. really cute. Really neat. He's a big fan and one of my biggest cheerleaders out there in his yeah. 90s. Oh, um, I, I, I think a lot of people, a lot of people say it was not as bad as I thought it was going to be <laughs> not as hard. And after it's over, they're like, that was, that was pleasant and forgot about the camera kind of thing. Just a lot of anxiety leading up to it yes. for sure. And I understand that, but a lot of people say that was enjoyable and glad I did it. What I love for the individual, but even maybe more so for the family, is realizing that making a Sacred Stories film is creating a memory. Like we're recording memories, but in the making of it is also a memory. Oh, and like um, mm -hmm. there's a lot of excitement, like leading up to the interview day with this person or people that I'm going right. to interview. You know, the, it's, there's it's it's fun. Like they're getting ready and they're working with their loved one to pick out the outfit and what they're going to mm -hmm. do and gathering photos. And that's like, they're making a memory while we're recording memories and then watching the film. A few families have done like viewing parties or something and yeah. sharing in that one, one lady told me like she and her father who we did the film about watched it together and she said we held hands during the whole film Aww. and I loved that I'm just like that is so you know they they'll remember that forever just yes. sitting in that room watching that film together mm -hmm. and I I think that's cool and that's unexpected that's an aha moment for people because they're don't expect that that's gonna be the case maybe yeah yeah what about the flip side of that? Like, have you been listening to someone talk and you think, oh my gosh, and it's an aha moment for you. And then you go apply it or think about it in your own personal life. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a privilege. It's like every storyteller, I learn something. It impacts me. I mean, and then I, I have to review the films and watch the film. So I kind of, I'm, I sort of memorize little pieces of their stories like they really do kind yeah. of live in mm -hmm. in my brain and in my heart mm -hmm. the pandemic 
there were a lot of aha moments for me. I didn't do a lot of work during that time, but I started doing some in that season and had the mask and face shield. Oh oh my gosh. But lots of aha moments, just like, I don't know, think think of what these people have lived through. And here I am in my in my bubble, in my pandemic world moment. And I can look at them and think of what they li- lived through and translated to, to my life and just going, okay, we're going to get through this. And it doesn't have to be the defining moment of my life, mm-hmm. which it felt like sometimes in the pandemic. Yeah, it does give you a much bigger picture, a holistic picture of a life instead mm-hmm. of this. Yeah. Two years or how yeah. many? Right. right. Yeah. And just can't underestimate the power of listening. And that's an aha moment for me doing this work. But sort of every time it's just like some of these people are strangers to me. Like I literally meet them on the day of the interview. And and y'all probably know this some in your podcast work, but I literally meet them on the day of the interview. I'm barely saying anything during the course of the interview. I mean, I'm asking questions and I greet them and have my have my skill set that I bring of the comfortability and hospitality and all that, but I'm barely talking about myself. And yet we leave that day and there's hugs and there's like this is a connection has been forged. Yeah. Because they felt heard and just listened yeah. to and and I felt it too as being the listener, just a connection. So I don't oh. know. That's, it's important work. It's important listening it's is, important a, is something work. we need more of. Yes, know. that's so powerful. And so I do think it's such an amazing gift to yourself, to your family. But as you said, people come away usually surprised this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> so that probably is yeah. a barrier for people taking the step to actually book your services. So mm-hmm. what are some of the nuts and bolts of it to give a picture of what it really is? So yeah. it's a little mm-hmm. less intimidating. Yes. Um, and how do people prepare? Do they get the questions ahead of time? Like what, what does that whole process look like? So a family contacts me and I find out what they're looking for, what they are hoping to capture in the process, what they want to do with the film. And then I give them a quote and then we schedule the interview. And I typically don't give the questions in advance. I like it to be natural and not pre-scripted. I will give categories to people. I'll tell these are some of the things we're going to be covering. And I give the family an opportunity to like, are there certain things you want me to talk about for sure? Are there certain things you don't want me to talk about? Mm-hmm. Like, don't go there. And, and sometimes they'll suggest, families will suggest questions. One couple that I did, the grandkids started a little Google spreadsheet and put questions in there. So, so cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. And the, the interviews usually last about two to three hours. And then from there... Six to eight weeks later, you'll have your final film. I guarantee 30 minutes, but they often come out to 45 to an hour broken up in chapters. And I I want it to be something watchable for a family and not three hours is a long, a long thing. So we clean out, we clean out, we edit, we edit, we clean out my voice and some odd things that might happen in the interview. Like a lady fell asleep one time during her own interview. (laughs) During her interview? During her interview. Yep. She put her she put herself to sleep with her stories, but we we cleaned that up. We've all had those days. I I mean, I have been accused of putting people to sleep, but I've never put myself to sleep. That was that was learning. That was one of those learn learn something new every time. It's kind of adorable, though. Do they usually come in and do it with their family members or do they do it alone? Like, what does that look like? I prefer alone. Again, it's a, it's a vulnerability thing and a comfortability with me. I do reach out to the person I'll be filming and try to get some of that comfortability stuff going and working with the family. But I prefer to be alone just because it changes the nature of the interview if mm-hmm. a family member's present, even oh, if they're sure. in another room, mm-hmm. which I've had before. And one of my storytellers, she would like yell, like, do you remember? what you know you're that was into the other room and so 
That, that has its own little charm, though. That's, just gonna say, that's kind it's of sweet, <laughs> sweet. but yeah, disruptive, probably, too. Yeah. As a fellow editor, I understand. Yes. Yes. Challenge. Yes. So, so I prefer, prefer alone, but I'll accommodate and want the person to be comfortable or people to be yeah. comfortable. So including the children or whoever's hired me to do this. Yeah. So. And who does usually hire you? Do you find that it's usually a family member or that the person comes to you directly who's who's instigating this? Usually family member, usually mm -hmm. children, grandchildren, um, mm -hmm. lots of grandchildren have hired me. So usually family members. I've had a few kind of self hires, people that are really into the idea of legacy preservation type thing themselves or comfortable with themselves enough to put themselves out there for something like this. But had a couple of those, but mostly it's people gifting this for milestone anniversaries, birthdays, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Cause oh. everybody has a story and everybody wish we'd had this for my grandmother and great grandmother. Oh, they were great storytellers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's such, 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 such a gift. And this is kind of off topic, but kind of related. And we'll do a link to it in the show notes. But my stepdad used to do a thing at the Warhawk Air Museum in Nampa, Idaho. And they do this all over the country. And I forget, it's called the, like, the Veterans something, something. Oh, I linked to it every Veterans Day and now I can't remember it. But it'll be in the show notes where they have volunteers go and interview veterans to get their stories and it's a national archive but you know kind of like story Corps, but for veterans yeah. yeah and it's just i mean because every single piece of that of the wars or whatever their experience was kind of fits together into this big puzzle of the story and same things with people's individual lives and i think that a lot of people probably hesitate to do it because they're like oh, what do i have to say i just you know I had some kids and then I retired and then <laughs> and that was basically it. Right. And so I just can't encourage everybody enough to realize that no matter what they've done or think they haven't done mm -hmm. in life, they have an important story to tell. I do. Okay. So if people like us are listening saying, I wish I had done this and now I'm going to do it for someone else. Where can they find you? Where do they find Sacred Stories films online? And where do they find you to start the hiring check process? Check it out. Yeah, to, I try to put to resources out there. I try to more. I try mm -hmm. to link to some like StoryCorps you meant. Try to put resources out there for this idea of snaying and story and doing that in families and in friends. Um, in to be a resource for people for yeah. all kinds of this type of work. Um, and and then also I have much that I that I offer. Um, but so sacredstoriesfilms.com is my website. And then I'm on Facebook and Instagram, Sacred Stories Films. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn personally. You can find me. And we're gonna put all that in there. And I yeah. am, I'm thinking I have a little plan. I know. Yeah, I, I think I'll be reaching out. I'm hoping our moms listen to this one <laughs> yeah. or watch it on yeah. YouTube, however they like to consume it. Or do I hope that she hasn't <laughs> so that I can surprise her with this? Oh, that's true. Well, you better surprise her by next Thursday because that's when it's coming out. <laughs> Maybe she's behind. Maybe she's behind on listening. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Well, so it is time, I think, for our Look, Listen, Learns then. For anybody who is listening for the first time this week, welcome. We're so glad you're here. And at the end of each show, we just spend a couple minutes talking about our look, listen, learns, where we share things that we are reading, watching, learning about, and we don't like to put our guests in the hot seat. So Missy, you want to start this week with your look, listen, learns? I will. All right. So I am looking at St. X. I think it's St. X. I don't think it's St. 10, but maybe it is. Mm -hmm. uh, St. <laughs> X on Hulu. <laughs> and... Uh, it's a psychological drama. Have either one of you watched it? I've never even heard of it. I hadn't either. Hulu showed it to me and I was, I guess, just in the right mood to be like, all right, I'll give it a go. But it's about a college student who is murdered while she's on a vacation on a Caribbean island with her family. And she's with her family, including a much younger sister. So she's in college. She's a seven-year-old sister. And the story toggles back and forth between the seven-year-old sister who's now an adult and is trying to understand what happened and unravel it and there are some coincidences that you're like really you know you have to suspend a little bit of reality but and then it shows her parents in current modern day as well and then it goes back to the beach vacation 
And I really, even though I think maybe I know what happened, they're doing a good job of there's enough people in the mix that you're like, it could be that guy. It could be that guy. It could be that woman. So it's interesting. And some of it's kind of dark and some of it's kind of slow. I just a little warning out there. There are moments when you're like, um, but (laughs) it's, it's still running and they're releasing it a week at a time. And so it's a, interesting enough that I'm like, oh, I want the next episode. I'm waiting okay. for it. And pretty well acted. One of the actresses who plays the the girl who's murdered is David Duchovny and Taya Leone's daughter. And she's she's good. I like watching her. She's so watchable. What are they called? The Nepo Babies? She's a Nepo Baby, I guess. Yeah. But I think she's earned her spot there. Oh, good. So um, I am reading Ejaculate Responsibly. Nice. Yes. <laughs> Making my kids cringe. And that is why we all need to read it. Like, I mean, literally my 17 year old turned it over one day and I'm like, well, the back says <laughs> why abortion is a men's issue. <laughs> so, <laughs> Either way, uh, you got to face it. Yes. And we got to see the author at mom 2.0 and she inscribed it. I'm not going to hold it up because I don't want my kids name names in there. Well, I'll hold it like this, but it says you have a really cool mom. And so I'm like, oh, do you guys see? I am cool. They're like, you're not because that book is making us really, really nervous. <laughs> but it's a great conversation starter. And abortion is not a women's issue. And I will die on that hill. And I love this story. This not a story. I love this book. And it is concise and really well written and makes some excellent points. Um, so I recommend it. And um, I also recommend just throwing that on your coffee table. Just put it out there. Like we need to be talking about it. Talk it about a conversation starter. That could be right. <laughs> put that in your colored paper bowl. <laughs> I was thinking <laughs> maybe you don't always want to yeah. listen to what people have to say about it. But um, it's a conversation we need to be having. And as the mom of two boys, men, I think about it a lot and we talk about it a lot and um, they don't love that conversation, but I hope that it is in their heads um, and that they do think about it because they're, I mean, they're, one of them's headed off in a little over a year. Like it's time to, now is time to think about that, but it's really time when they are off being adults on their own. Yeah. So, um, and the author has an amazing Instagram account. She's design mom on Instagram and yeah. They're redoing a house in France and have been like for the past two years. And it's, it's such a fun little escape. I feel awesome. like yes. there. Talk about, you know, when you meet people and you're like, they're just, she's just cool. She's just cool. Yeah. And like just effortlessly cool. I don't think it involves any effort. I just feel like it is like who she is. So I really enjoyed getting to meet her in person after stalking her Instagram for many, many years. And she was just kind and wonderful and warm and super smart. So I recommend the book. And then my learn is sort of one of those nebulous learns, but I think I started a new Mother's Day tradition. Remind me, Suzanne, next Mother's Day, if I okay. forget that I started a tradition. I'm putting <laughs> but, it in my calendar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we always say that the new year for us is when school starts, which I still stand by. Like that is more than January 1st. School start is our mom new year. But by the time you get to Mother's Day, to that point in the school year, life is like real messy. Like you might have started off great, but things have fully unraveled by Mother's Day. So I spent some time over the weekend just getting things in order. I have a long way to go, and I'm trying not to beat myself up about what is not done and just revel in what I have done. But I did like some physical cleaning out of some cabinets. I cleaned out under my bathroom vanity, which was... A disaster. I thought I had just cleaned it out, but I remembered I did it in the early days of COVID and in the lockdown. That's been so a like, minute. That was three <laughs> years ago. <laughs> so I was like, I did not just clean it out. That was three years ago. No wonder it's a mess. So I like reorganized, cleaned out, threw out some expired thing, things that had expired in like 2020. You know, like threw yes. those things out, found tampons and pads, which I no longer need that I'll be donating. That's my favorite. Um, when I find those, I'm like, why do I have this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, I haven't needed that. I mean, I haven't needed that in way more than three years. I don't know why I saved them three years ago, but so it felt really good. And I just, I think it, it was solitude. I was not with my kids doing that, but it was just this nice way to focus on me. I cleaned out electronic files and I did it slowly. I did it when I wanted to over the weekend and 
started the week on such a high, just knowing I had done some of that. Like I couldn't even really sleep very well Sunday night because I'm like, I did so much good work. So so excited (laughs) with yourself. I love it. So proud of myself. So excited to wake up in the morning and like go to my bathroom and be able to find everything. I'm like, this is great. It is. What did you call it the other day, Whitney? May, May, December? December. Oh, I'd never heard that term before, but I didn't invent the term, but I like the term. Yes. But they're so similar in that it's like this, okay, all the grades are due, but at the same time, we're going to make your kids come to like every band performance, every award night, every like thing. And it's the same thing. It's like all the holiday recitals that just happen to be during finals week. Like why are you doing everything the same month? So yes, May Sember is like my new favorite. And speaking of awards, Missy, we're going to give you one for cleaning out your bathroom cabinet. I know. (laughs) I will take it. Yeah. I will frame it and hang it in my bathroom. It's going to be a bow stuck to an expired bottle of shampoo. That's the the trophy. (laughs) A half used box of tampons. (laughs) So that is me. Okay, Whitney, top that. (laughs) Yes. Um, So my look is great show. Somebody somewhere on HBO. Have y'all seen this? Yes. Well, I heard it. I did it. That was one of my painting shows. So it was one of the shows that I heard in the background, but I didn't see because I was painting while I watched it. I love somebody somewhere um, starring Bridget Everett. And then also the fabulous Jeff Filler, friend of mine. Oh, how cool is that? So um, just really fun to see him. Like my whole, I went to a small school. Everybody's going crazy at our school because Jeff Hiller's on this show. And the show is really, really good. And I'm I'm only in the first season because I kind of started late, but I'm jumping on the bandwagon and it's it's a really good show. And I'm proud of my my friend Jeff. Such a guy. Oh, great my, person. Now I'm, yeah, yeah I'm going to go back. He's so good. Yeah, yeah, that show has even even though I was listening to it as I painted and not fully into it, just so much heart. It's oh, just a really that, lovely, lovely yeah. show. And yeah. yeah, it's a mix of funny and and that hearts. Yeah, which is my favorite. Funny and sad, funny yep. and heartfelt. That's my favorite. Yeah, so, so yeah. good. And then my listen, um, I love podcasts. I love y'all's podcasts. Y'all do a great job. Um, oh, but I I have a group of podcasts and cast that I listen to and one new one wiser than me. Oh, Julia, Julia Louis Dreyfus. Yeah. Julie Louis Dreyfus. Julia yes. or Julie. Yeah. And I have listened to an episode. I listened to the one she did with Jane Fonda and, mm. and I mostly like it just, I'm like, this is so it's sacred stories. I'm mm. like, I would name my podcast that. So, yes, it's so much I like what her. you do. Yeah. Yes. And just highlighting our seniors and the wisdom of people. So oh, I like yes. it. And then my learn, um, I'm behind the times on this, but I just got an air fryer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I like realize me. that you can hard boil eggs. What? You can hard boil eggs in the I air fryer. I have no idea. You can cook eggs in the air fryer. and Are um, they good? They're amazing. Nice. I might, I like, need to when perfect, we end this I run, try that. the time. And I mean, we're still working on that because I just got it. But yeah, so fun. Just like 12 minutes. And I don't know, you've got, you've got <sighs> hard boiled eggs. So the wonders of the air fryer is my learn because yeah, I'm, see? I'm just experiencing this for the first time. I've been I, I am so going tempted. To that. You have one too? We have one. We really almost never use it. Every once in a while, like the once a year, we have leftover French fries. Like, when does that ever happen? But if you throw them in there, really good. Okay. And yeah, I just, every once, we've tried things in it. Like, we've made a salmon recipe in it that was really good, but we've never done it again. Yeah, you know, I don't know. We don't use it that often. So I'm trying to learn to use it. I learn think there's a lot of ways to use it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Like hard boiling eggs. I mean, seriously, I'm like, I'm running straight from here to hard boil some eggs. <laughs> You just could put one egg in there. (laughs) I just need a really tiny one. Ours is small because we don't use it very often. So I don't know how many eggs I can do. We do have a smaller one. Well, when we had to replace our microwave, there were a couple of microwaves that were both. It was a combo thing, which I I don't know. I'm like, I don't trust the combo thing because then what if the VCR breaks and the TV still is good? Like, that's just like, eh. But it also just wouldn't fit in our space, unfortunately. So... Okay, but I've been so tempted because I've heard they're amazing. Okay, we may have to ask that in the group, see if people vote for me to get a 
<laughs> give an air fryer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Right. Well, what about you, Suzanne? What are you up to? Let's see. We looked at Guardians of the Galaxy 3, yeah. which was very sweet. We don't, let's say Friday, Friday night of Mother's Day weekend. Mm -hmm. the, my family waited for me while I was at Mom too. So that was like That's my nice. Mother's Day gift. The fact that they actually waited to watch <laughs> it for me. Thank you. But my son warned me ahead of time. And then my husband's like, yeah, I heard the same thing. That's a little bit of a tearjerker. And, That's what I've heard as well. And it, was it? It, but it's very, still very funny and stuff. But it, okay. it tugs at some serious heartstrings. And especially a warning to you, Missy, there is an excessive use of adorable baby raccoons, which I know are like CGI, but they were so cute. <laughs> no, they're real. I'm sure they're real. They're, yeah. <laughs> they just took a bunch of baby <laughs> raccoons and put them in this movie. Totally. That would totally work out. <laughs> oh, my God. The things they can do with facial expressions of animals that like yeah. brings 8,000 emotions at one time. Oh, my God. So cute. Mm -hmm. But okay. I highly recommend, even if you're not necessarily a big old action hero, it was there was a lot of heart and story to it. So highly recommend. And then let's see. Oh, I'm listening and related. The soundtrack of Guardians of the Galaxy 3. So good. Because like the previous the movies have been kind of so 70s uh -huh. and they're they're aging up. They even brought a point to where the mixtape now is going to the other decades. So it had Creep by Radiohead, which I love. Do You Realize by the Flaming Lips, which I just, oh my God, that song is kind of like looking at a baby raccoon's face. It brings like every every yes. emotion I've ever had comes from that song. Um, we Care A Lot from Faith No More. Um, so, so, so good. So highly, we already had my daughter download that so we can listen yeah. to it all the time. Like I'm making notes as you guys talk. I've written down so many things. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I feel like I want, as your guest, I feel like I want to make notes, but I'm like, I don't have to. Y'all yes, are going to listen to all this. Yeah, you can. I <laughs> do the same thing. I mean, we are recording it and listening to it and we then we have to make the show notes and I still will write things down during the show <laughs> yeah. because I just get excited. I can't <laughs> wait until it comes out. So, yes. And then my learn um, was on a podcast I was listening to, but it was actually Julie Lithcott Hames, which was a previous guest of ours from her book, How to Raise an Adult. And it was so interesting. They And I, you know, I read the book, but I just, I don't know if I even absorbed this point about how dangerous it is to tell kids, I just want you to be happy. Oh, uh -huh. because that then puts this weird happiness pressure on them that like that is the only good thing to be and that they feel like if they are in a place where they're not happy that they don't want to burden you with talking about it right. because if it's your only want in life is for them to be happy then why would they come and tell you when they're not yeah. um so it's just this idea of like i just want you to be however you are in this particular moment and i just thought that was such a nice reminder because God, I probably have said that a hundred times to my kids, or at least thought it even about right. my kids. Oh, I just want them to be happy. But I know I asked them, like, are you happy in this situation? Like, is this good? Are you happy? Mm -hmm. That's leading. That's a leading question. <laughs> you are. I ask, I ask a lot of the people I'm interviewing. That's a question. Just like, what is your wish for your children or your grandchildren if you have them? And that's an answer. Just that's often an answer like uh -huh. tell them they're wrong <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, but this is good because it's like making me think because i think that's a natural thing like you just if someone asks you that you go i just want them to be happy mm -hmm. but it's like right. to to think about like what does that look like or what does that mean yes and that's interesting suzanne yeah i'm glad you brought that yeah. up that's a yeah. great learn like i'm and... writing it down as well sorry <laughs> <laughs> i've really really been i mean I've been thinking about it way too much, I think, because it really does bring this point of like, what is the point of a life well lived? It's not, I mean, it's nice to be happy, but we're allowed to feel all our feelings. And it is just this, it's kind of a meandering stream of all the different emotions, like looking at a baby raccoon's face. <laughs> and so yeah, you're allowed to feel all the feelings and they don't have to be happy all the time and they can talk to you about all the things they're feeling. So right. Yeah, I loved it. I like the word oh. joy. Joy. Yes. Yeah. That's joy. It's more, it's more deep and mm -hmm. it, it kind of encompasses, you know, hard stuff too, or sadness too, but right. it's like joy rather than happy. Yeah. Right. Maybe right. Wish so our kids can access to that be, joy. Yeah. To know joy or something. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. I bet is one of those words like they, the Eskimo words for snow, how there's like a hundred different words for snow. I feel like we need like a specific word for just whatever that is, just loving is. wherever you are at any particular time. But it's not even contentment. I don't know. Kind of a contentment. Okay. Kind this is our, this is, this is how I'm going to spend the rest of the day. I'm going to go ask chat GPT, chat GPT, answer Ooh, this for good. me. Yeah, we now have a linguistics this. podcast. Let's yes. No. Oh, but anyway, so that that was just kind of a fun learn. Made me step back, especially as we are launching kids off into the world into college. I mean, I think we're giving them a lot of these. This will be the best time of your life. And which <sighs> no, that's a lot of pressure. And like a, just be happy. And like, no, there's gonna be rough times to it. So just it's just a calibration of the way that we talk to our kids and set expectations yeah. for their lives. It's great. Yeah. All right. It kind of gave me butterflies. I have to think about that a lot. Oh, I made your tummy flip. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> like, how am I talking to my kids? I really need to think about it. How am I messing up my kids? So many ways. <laughs> so many ways. Let me count the ways. <laughs> uh, but no. And speaking to the people who have messed up their kids, our parents, and we want to learn their life stories. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. No. I think that what a great, I have loved the idea. First of all, I love that you are doing this business, Whitney, Thank because you. I think there's no better person to really make people feel heard and be such an amazing listener. But I do think, you know, even if you do not live in Austin, Texas, are, is it something people can do virtually? Have you done that or do you prefer to do it I in person? Have, I, I'll go. I'll go wherever. Okay. Um, if people will will pay for that. But I also do virtual. I've done four virtually. And they're, they're lovely. They're different. Have a mm -hmm. little bit different flavor. And they are only as good as that person's technology and kind of set up there. Yeah. And I work with them to to kind of coach them on what to do, but it's, you know, no guarantees, but they're, they're lovely. They're, yeah. they're a great option. Okay. I'm glad we mentioned that because yeah, even if you do not necessarily live in Austin, Texas, if this is something you're interested in, we encourage you to reach out to Whitney. And then, yeah, even if it's not necessarily probably a fit for you, it sounds like there's probably a lot of other resources you can help direct people to. Cause I just think whatever the method you do it, Take some time to listen to some stories. Your kids, yep. your parents, your friends, everybody wants to be heard. So thank you, Whitney. I'm so thank excited to, to talk me. about this. Yeah. I'm so it. excited to meet you. Thank you for yep. being here. It's great. All right. Everybody have a great week. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the Mom and Dot 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 podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you know someone else who could benefit from the episode, please be sure and share it with them. And while we're begging, please subscribe and rate us wherever it is you listen to podcasts. You can find links to all the things we discussed today in our show notes or over at our website, momandpodcast.com with the A-N-D spelled out. In between shows, find us over at the socials, including our private mom and community Facebook group. The links to that group and all of our socials can be found at momandpodcast.com. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you more than you know. Now go out there and make your ellipses count.